0: life hacks, leadership tips, stories, and fun. It's time for Two Guys on Stuff with Michael Edwards and Tom Tobin. They're executives, entrepreneurs, and great friends. And this is a conversation about values-based, purpose-driven leadership that can transform you, your organization, and the world. Now, let's hear what stuff the guys are talking about this week.
1: Hey, welcome back. I am Michael Edwards, and this is my good friend and co-host, Tom Tobin. And we are Two Guys on Stuff.
0: Hey, hey. Howdy, everyone.
1: Tom, you've had an incredibly busy week this week with Tobin Automotive and Grease Monkey. What is the latest, and when can we stop by for an oil change?
0: Uh, Hopefully next Saturday. Right now, we're just waiting for our certificate of occupancy. Um, Not quite fighting with City Hall, but waiting on City Hall. And uh, this last final step. So tomorrow morning, it's fire inspection. Hopefully, everything's fine. And we have it tomorrow because I've got people coming in from four different states next week for training. I've got a house with two rooms and a living room full of boxes that need to be transferred over there and a lot of equipment to be set up. So, so yeah, so we are almost there. We're hoping to be able to probably open with our soft opening on June 14th. We had planned this Saturday, the 12th, but it doesn't look like that's going to hit. Um, so hopefully June 14th. And then our grand opening is July 8th, 9th and 10th. July 8th, 9th and 10th. Uh, the 30 foot gorilla, the uh, guy walking around in the monkey suit. And uh, we're looking at having some food trucks and fun and it'll be a blast. See,
1: I'm coming by for my free hot dog.
0: Come on by, get your <laughs> free hot dog, get your... Uh, free car wash with each of the oil changes during our grand opening period. It'll be awesome.
1: That'll be a lot of fun. I am excited about it. Yeah. So we are sitting at episode 18 and and over the course of our podcast, we've had some really good feedback from our audience. And particularly, uh, we're hearing from folks who are newer in their leadership journey, don't have a ton of experience at, at Leadership, and this is really kind of fun, uh, because I always hearken back to, you know, when I was a brand new leader getting my wings. and you know, I figured out long ago that I am not a very good inventor. I can't create very much, um, but I can innovate so I can steal things from others who are doing it and, and make it great, or make it my own, at least. So the question becomes, how do you do it? So I thought we could take some time to share with our friends some of our uh, routines, our tools, what we're reading and, you know, really some of the things that we're doing to stay on top of the game or as uh, Stephen Covey says, keep the saw sharp. Right. So, Tom, what would you like to share with the audience about what keeps you on top of your
0: game? I I think one of the best things is to have a running buddy. I, I am not one that enjoys just kind of working out by myself. In solitude, I like having another person that I can work out with. Not so much the competition, but the shared experience. I don't care how much somebody's lifting or how fast they're running, but to be out there with somebody, it it's why I think I enjoyed my partnership with Keith for 20 years and fit for work. It's why I enjoy what I'm doing now, and so right now. Um, I think number one is is having somebody that I can do that with, and so you're you're the perfect example of of what I'm doing right now to maintain my routine, and that is is to have a running buddy who also provides a level of accountability and can be a sounding board, so that as I'm saying things that you know just kind of need to come out of my head and and get them on paper, I've got somebody with an objective opinion who also has my best interest in mind to To provide me feedback, and so right now for for my routine, it's having that consistency in these conversations. This, our podcast and, and our listeners' feedback actually provides me a lot of the routine that I that I need right now. In fact, when we get done and we talk about kind of our uh, our hot tub time machine, I'll describe that a little bit more. But I went from a routine of you know, I I guess I really don't remember a time after I started working mowing lawns when I was 13 that I've not worked with the exception of when I was, you know, sick. But other than that, you know, the last 20 years it's been up early grinding all day long on an airplane, traveling to different cities, building a company. And then all of a sudden that disappeared when I retired and I wasn't prepared for it. I thought I was, I mean, I was ready to retire. I did, I did it the right way. I believe that God led me to do it at the right time but I was not mentally pre- prepared for it. I had a number of different expectations that were really not salt. They, they weren't founded in anything other than some kind of mental fantasy that I had about it being, you know, peaches and cream when I got, when I retired. And and then knowing what I I know now, and again, we'll talk about that at the end. So routine, right now it's about routine.
1: I agree that accountability partner piece is really important. And for the listening audience, Tom and I get together every Tuesday, uh, whether it's face to face or or via Zoom, and and we talk about what's on our plate, and you know, making sure that uh, we help each other achieve our our goals and objectives. And you know, Tom and I are very similar in that we like to get a ton of things going on. And and you know, if we can have a mm-hmm. uh, uh, hundred and one plates spinning at the same time, that's probably when we're happiest and at our best. But that's not necessarily the the most productive. So this accountability partnership helps us stay on top of of yeah. our game and make sure we're heading down the right path. You know, one of the things that has really helped me is, you know, I'm a creature of habit. I've got my routines and being very intentional about my routines has been something that's been very, very helpful and so much so that I, I'm a block scheduler. So I schedule everything on my calendar. So you look at my calendar today, it's got me in the gym at five o'clock in the morning. It's got my uh, quiet time, my Bible study at six 30 in the morning every single thing that i need to do in that day is on my calendar and that includes time to review email i've got email blocked on my calendar so getting into that habit that routine has really helped me uh, a lot and you know in the transition uh, from corporate america to being self employed you know i'm now 100% in charge of my schedule which mm-hmm. if you're disciplined that's really cool if you're not disciplined that's a problem. Um, right, so, right? so that, that routine that I've gotten into has, has really helped me out a ton.
0: So mine's running buddy and accountability. Yours is having a calendar structure to your day. Actually, as you're, even as you're saying that, I always say that I live and die by my calendar, but really it's more, I have my calendar that I use to put things on, but I feel like I could do better. If I modified that mindset a little bit and followed that more aligned with you so that my calendar is telling me it's time to get up in the morning and go exercise. Because I, I feel like even as you said that, I feel like I could be more mentally prepared to get up in the morning and not hit snooze. If I attributed as much importance to me getting up at five to work out as I do to get up at five for a meeting that I might have to get on with somebody from the East coast.
1: Yeah. You know, one of the things that really helped me understand or gave me some clarity around the intentionality and and several people have said it, but they say, if you want to see what's important to somebody, take a look at their checkbook register and their calendar. And and Mm. that really rang, uh, resonated with me. And I figured out, Hey, if it's important, it needs to be on my calendar. And quite honestly, if it, Gets done. It's on my calendar, you know, things like I've I've got the attention span of a two year old. Right. So, you know, I could be (laughs) doing a task and all of a sudden something else pops up. And the way I've got my block scheduling worked out is. You know, I don't look at my email until 1030 in the morning. And I only look at it for about 30 minutes at 1030 in the morning. And then it's it's set aside until 330 in the afternoon. So I'm not distracted by those things because there's just a ton of just tasks that have to get done. So that's really helped out a bunch.
0: That definitely destroys my intentionality and my attention is because I've got several different business interests between real estate, my automotive consulting you know, the podcast. And then I just have my personal one. I, I feel like I'm a puppy in a tennis ball factory because I'll be working on one email and then I'll notice in my other email trail that there's something else. And and the next thing I know, it's just like I'm just bobbing for emails. So um, what as it relates to that, then tell me, Michael, what are some of the tools that you use?
1: Yeah. So I'll tell you, I love technology and and sometimes that's a hindrance, right? Because I'm always looking for the uh, uh, better mousetrap, but mm-hmm. I've settled on a couple of things that have really helped me make sure I'm going down the right path. And uh, the time management tool that I use is called Fantastical and it mm-hmm. is a, a really amazing calendar app. I keep widgets on my phone and on my iPad. It's really simple. You know, if I've got a meeting, I just tell Siri, hey, you've got a meeting. Uh, And then it allows me to display the information that I want to display and eliminate some of the distractions. And on the on the task side, I use a task manager called OmniFocus. And, and by the way, none of these folks are, are sponsors of the show. We sure. would love them to be sponsors of the show, uh, but mm-hmm. I want to make that clear. We're not uh, paid to endorse any of these products, but I've been using OmniFocus for years. And like Tom, you know, the, the puppy dog in the tennis ball factory, we've got so many different things going on that you've got to have a tool that Number one keeps you going down the right path and managing your projects and tasks. But number two keeps the distractions from you. And OmniFocus focus is one of those that, you know, I'm able to set it up based on the business uh, that I happen to be operating in at the time. They call those perspectives. And so if I'm looking at something in the uh, coaching business, then mm-hmm. I don't have to see any of the tasks that are popping up in the real estate business. Um, so that's really helped me keep uh, going down the same path. But, and and we could do a whole show and, and maybe we will do a whole show on this stuff because I'm really passionate about it. But my phone is the ultimate tool from capturing my ideas and thoughts to brainstorming, to, you know, keeping uh video notes. And, you know, when I do a, a keynote, I'll, I'll, Record that in my voice memos. I mean, there's just so many things that I use my phone for. So I, like we could talk for days about all of the cool technology stuff that I use. And yeah. what, what do you use to keep uh, going down the right path to make sure all of the things in the Tobin empire happen?
0: Yeah, like you, I use Fantastical. That's been that's been very helpful. I use a number of different ones, and like Michael said, we're not paid for these endorse. We're not endorsing them. We're just saying this is what works for us. But I like Fantastical for a number of different reasons. You know, I can color code the uh, different email addresses and the different events. So if I'm doing it out of my auto email or my consulting email or my real estate email, it's all different color coded. So it gives me some visual cues. It helps me focus in on the things that I like. Um, it, it manages the emails really, or the the different email addresses really well. So I like that. It incorporates um, Zoom really well, and we do a lot of Zoom meetings. And so, you know, Fantastical is the one that I use for my calendar. And then, as it relates to to do lists, um, you know, it it seems kind of basic, but I just use Evernote, and I've created a in my Evernote folder, a to-do for each of the organizations, and that's my to-do list. So that's my task list. I think the key is, is that regardless of the tool that you use, and, and Michael, tell me if you would disagree or add to it, but I, I think that if you're going to use a tool, first of all, don't use it for three months and then go to the next one and then just start tool hopping because right. that, that just that just maintains or, or disrupts your continuity. Find one that you like. Try maybe a couple of for a couple of days and then just go for it and then just use it. In my past life, my partners, several of them were, you know, IT geeks, too. And so they were constantly trying to change our emails and and all these other things. It's just like, guys, just leave us alone. We just this is working for us. Leave us alone unless you can advance us at some level of magnitude, whether it's financially or or just from a productivity standpoint, that's that's significant enough to cause us to break our consciousness and, and break our stream of thought. But in any case, consistently use something over a period of time. I like something having I like it to be cloud based. That way I can access it from anywhere. I like something that's integrated with you know more major types of whether you're using Gmail or Outlook, something that integrates with that really well. And, and then something that's shareable so that if you collaborate on, on, an, on something, uh, you can share some information, whether that's through the file structure or through, you know, a, a focus sharing thing. So regardless of the tools, find tools. N- nobody can be a good craftsman if they're just going to do everything, you know, with their bare hands. They have to find some tools that work for them. And so I think the thing is, is that if you find a good calendar tool, find a good email format and get in all of those things things are that are cloud-based shareable integrated that you're gonna you're gonna do really well and then a time management some type of time management activity so
1: I think that uh, one of the things so I've got the two tools right the omnifocus and the fantastic but bigger than that was I have a time management model or a time management uh, system and in 2006 I went to Atlanta Georgia and took a class called getting things done from the David Allen. Uh, And it was really Mm -hmm. cool. And I'll tell you, the system really changed my life. And I, I, there, there are a handful of things that have changed my life. And this one is uh, one of them that I, I, when I talk about it, I talk about making time to lead. You can be the best leader on the planet, but if you don't have mastery of time and task. It doesn't matter because you don't have time to go out and, and meet with people. You're always spinning your wheels in your office doing doing some of those things. So the, the getting things done system is what really enables me to well get things done, to, to create mm-hmm. the time to do the things that I want to do. And one of the things that really just uh, knocked my socks off with getting things done is it's so adaptable. Uh, no matter what circumstance I'm in it has uh, the adaptability to work for me, you know, right right now I'm 100% digital. Uh, I don't have any paper. Everything gets captured in some sort of electronic form, but there are times where I just want to detox from digital. So I'll grab my uh, Moleskin notebook and, and that's my getting things done system. Um, So I've got the getting things done system that is kind of the umbrella and then the other Mm -hmm. tools That fit The most important thing, and you mentioned it, Tom, you've got to be consistent with it. You've got to use it and use it and use it. So it becomes second nature. You've got to have that discipline around it. Um, You know, if you, if you spend a bazillion dollars on this really cool time and task system and you don't use it 100% of the time, you're really kind of defeating your purpose. But, uh, you know, that's one of the things that new leaders uh, ask a lot about is, I just don't have time to do it. Right. you can you can create time becoming more efficient, more productive, or you can get up earlier. Exactly. Sometimes
0: both. Well, yeah, sometimes you need to do that. But, you know, I think that's the thing is, is when you look at it from a leadership standpoint, if you back up and say, well, why are you using these tools? Well, there's a couple of reasons. One is, is that you want to be efficient. As a leader, if you're efficient with your time and you chip away at the things that just eat up your time, they're, they're just gremlins for your, your time management, and they take you away from your primary task of leading. It, if you take care of those things, it gives you greater opportunity and it really gives you time back to be able to focus on the most important things like customer service, building up your team. So the freedom that you get from time isn't necessarily so that you can get a 30-minute nap in the middle of the afternoon. It's to free you to be able to focus on those things where you add greater value and you can actually tap in and use your leader um, skills. The other thing I, th- I think that's really important is is it helps you not just be efficient, but it, it helps you be effective. And if you're not an effective leader, then you're not following through on your promises. You're not following through on the feedback that you're supposed to be providing those that are are looking to you as a leader. And so, you know, it's not just about, hey, I like these tools and it's neat, neat gadgets. And, you know, it's like a spinner that you just stare at, right? It's something that helps you become more efficient. It helps you with being effective. And then finally, that it helps you to be impactful. And so you're impacting your organization for the, for the primary reasons that you are put into that role, or you grew into that role, or you created the role because you own the company. And that is, is to provide those things to your organization that nobody else can. It's your passion. It's your vision. It's motivating others. It's supporting others. It's identifying other issues that other people aren't identifying because they don't have your vision into the organization. So you know, it's not just about, hey, here's some neat gadgets. It You really need to be thinking about I, I would like our listeners to think about these tools as being um, essential to them being better at what they should be doing, which is leading.
1: Right, You know, one of the other things that's important with this is as a leader, we have to create this environment where we respect and honor other people's time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I had an experience uh, that uh, it was somewhat painful where I worked for a leader who did not respect or honor other people's time. And, you know, I, I had a very busy job and lots of things to do and wasn't in charge of my calendar, you know, I could have, I, I was a block scheduler back then. And this leader would call up and say, Hey, I need this right now. Hey, I need you to come down here right now. Um, and, and, you know, doing those kinds of things, Created problems in in getting the routine things to to manage the business. So, all that to say, as a leader, we've got to create this environment where, uh, you know, you've got priorities. I've always said that the the employee that's sitting in front of me is the most important thing that I've got to do. If somebody comes into my office, an employee comes into my office, I'm going to drop what I'm doing and address the issue. Talk to the employee, listen, right. whatever it happens to be. The second thing that I use for a filter is if there's a customer, whether it's in my office or on the telephone, those things, I'm going to drop what I'm doing to take care of my customer. Because if I don't care for those two things, it doesn't matter what tasks I've got on my plate. They're not going to exist. Um, right. I you have to have somebody to take care of my customer or a customer that's, that's, you know, paying our, paying our bills, keep the lights on. So we really got to create that environment. That's super important.
0: Mm -hmm. I think of it kind of like a surgeon, you want him focused on the patient in front of him, not the next patient, right? Right. So you want to be focused on that employee or that customer that's in front of you right now, not thinking about the next one, because to your point, then this one's going to die on the table. Right. Yeah.
1: It's amazing that people don't don't have that perspective. And and I'll tell you this this assignment that I was talking about where the uh, leader didn't respect time, respect and honor time. You know, I was in a one on one with an employee and he was irritated with me because I didn't drop what I was doing to go take care of whatever fire drill was going on at the time an employee in front of me that, uh, you know, I'm creating relationships with and developing and that's, that's what I do as a leader. Uh, and, and to not have the environment where that is the most important thing, or even in the top five most important things, uh, was, was, you know, kind of baffling if you ask me.
0: Yeah. So what are you, as you're, as you're using these tools, what are you reading right now? Uh, All of us have, these tools that we need to hone, but what do you use to hone your skills? What are you reading right now?
1: Well, I'll tell you, I've got a stack of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven books, and and I'm trying <laughs> to go intentionally in order. And, and obviously, you know, I'm on the John Maxwell team. So the vast majority of the things I'm reading our John Maxwell books. And and one of the ones that uh, is really near and dear to my heart right now, um, I've already read it a couple of times and it's it's sitting on the front of my uh, desk uh, and I mark it up every morning is change your world. Um, And and Mm -hmm. you've heard me talk about it probably every podcast we have. That's how uh, cool this book is. But this book and the movement behind it, it is really making a difference in the world. There are over 200,000 people who have gone through the program. But I also have uh, another Maxwell book at the top of the list called Good Leaders Ask Great Questions. Um, One of the things that I've found is in my past, I, I didn't take full advantage of all of the people that I've crossed paths with to learn from them. You know, I've always had really neat conversations and, um, you know, maybe some small talk, but I've never really gone in depth to find out, you know, what makes them tick, what makes them successful and really be intentional about it. So good leaders ask great questions is, uh, it, it's a great read. I'm about three chapters in, um, but it, it's really going to help me make sure that, you know, when I run across somebody, that uh, I might not ever get to spend time with again. I'm going to ha- be armed with a bunch of questions to learn from them. Uh, I, I think in in my career and my experience, that's one place where I haven't done as well as I need to do. And um, and the title it fits. Good leaders ask great questions. So the other one I'm reading, uh, it was a recommendation from uh, somebody in our our real estate group called Perk Your Sphere, and it uh, really talks about uh, how to create relationships with the people that uh, you run across with and, and deepen relationships with friends in uh, you know, the hopes of doing business with them and haven't gotten too far into it yet, but uh, that's, that's a non-leadership book that's on my list. How about
0: you? What are you reading? I am rereading crucial confrontations. Um, You know, the authors wrote crucial conversations. This is crucial con Confrontations, and I just found that it was something that I needed to go back and reread. I think that's what people will find. I don't have if I had five or six books sitting here like you, I would have one chapter read and three chapters read in another book. I just that's so kind of what mine looks like. <laughs> I got to I have to leave those up, and then I have to read my one book and then go to the next one um, sequentially. But crucial confrontations, uh, you know, I think that's one of the things. Uh, the authors wrote crucial conversations and confrontations, you know, those two books. I don't know if it's just because of the, the inability it seems that society has to have serious or crucial conversations across the board without them becoming physical confrontations. And that is as represented, represented by, you know, political leaders, business leaders. I mean, the the example of terrible leadership and wrong ways to have conversations is just across the board and so evident prevalent today it's typically the the avenue that leaders go before they stop to consider how to do this appropriately and so i don't want to be part of the problem Uh, i want to be part of the solution so i just felt like i needed to go back through these and be better prepared. At the same time, it also helps you at the personal level, so that as you go through experiences with others and you're having a, a one-on-one conversation, that you approach it differently. And I feel like that's a it's a skill that has to be honed. You can't. We aren't born to just automatically concede others' points and look at it from their viewpoint. Children are actually the perfect example of what a, an, an untrained adult is and that is selfish petulant you know mind mine, mine, mine. I, I think about those birds what is it in finding nemo you know they're just like mine 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 you know or, or whatever they say I, I now i'm blanking on the actual no, show that it might is. be it mine of birds right oh yeah mine of birds there you go and so and that's the way that people are today and i'm guess what the millennials don't get to own that we see people of all ages doing that. So in any case, long story short, Crucial Confrontations is what I'm reading right now. It gives you some really great examples. And again, we're not getting compensated in any way to, you know, uh, tell people about these different books, but they're, they're really helpful to us. So, you know, that's what I'm reading right now is this, and then I'm going to go back reread Crucial Conversations and then, and then move forward from there. But um, yeah, I just feel like it's, I think it's, it just feels like the right time to be going through that. So,
1: yeah, I think you're definitely onto something. And there's there's a couple of places where, in general, we fall down. One of them is communicating. Right? I don't know if it's a decline in how we communicate or lack of of really caring how we communicate. But you know, there's a a, a value in knowing how my communication is perceived by others and how to communicate with others Mm -hmm. and, you know, give you a great example. Uh, you know, Tom and I went through a disc assessment and, you know, uh, I understand now based on Tom's disc behaviors, how to communicate with him. And I know how things to avoid when communicating with Tom and that, that helps us, uh, helps me, uh, anyway, understanding, you know, the ways to get things accomplished together. And the other piece is we don't, and when I say we, I'm speaking very general generally, but uh, conflict resolution. Now, mm-hmm. we just we don't see it. There, there's there's just not a good example, uh, particularly in government, in the secular world of good examples of conflict resolution. You know, it, it's. Mm-hmm. You agree with me or I'm going to cancel you or you agree with me on or, or I'm going to go nuclear. I mean, it's there's just not a good environment to teach people or for people to see conflict resolution. So, you know, I think those two books are, are a great place for leaders to start. And and if you've already read them, reread them and, and practice that. And, you know, I'm, I'm such a firm believer in if we demonstrate the behaviors, people will get it and start demonstrating them too. So, you know, learning how to Mm -hmm. communicate, learning how to resolve conflicts, two huge things that can really change the world.
0: Well, and one thing that I read regularly, probably not often enough, but definitely uh, regularly is my Bible. And it teaches some of the most um, basic and simple, but prevalent and important leadership principles, you know, starting off with, Considering the plank in your own eye before you look at the speck in others, you know, um, thinking about as a, a boss and and how I'm supposed to care for the people that uh, are working for me. You know, we're hiring people right now, young people that are, you know, 18 years old, 19 years old, who have never had the opportunity to have good leaders. You know, that's their first job or their second job. And maybe they were never treated with respect um, or, or shown proper leadership. And so I feel that conviction on a regular basis, to let their experience of a leader be something that's proper to, to teach them how to have proper discourse and to, to know that their voice is important, but guess what? It's not always going to be the final decision and that's okay, but at least you've contributed to the pool of ideas. So, uh, so yeah, that's, that's what I'm, I'm reading. And, um, You know, so in fact, as I even as I've read some of these things, I've been thinking, gosh, what if I what if I've been reading? What if I'd read this two years ago or three years ago? So I want to ask you, you know, we always ask our clients this. I mean, our uh, our guests, um, you know, hot tub time machine time, you know, as we uh, kind of gosh, I need my I need 30 minutes back. This episode has gone by so fast, but. All right. It's hot tub time machine, Michael, and you hop into it, but you just set it back for maybe like a two to three year bump, you know, and you're back getting ready to talk to yourself. You know, Michael and I, for those of you that don't know, Michael and I both went through a similar transition over the last couple of years or a couple of years ago where I retired, sold my company. Michael retired to start this new venture. And, uh, I'm not going to steal your thunder, Michael, but, you know, we both kind of went through that a couple of years ago and found ourselves in this. Whole new realm because we weren't getting up at four or five, six o'clock in the morning and going to work and being at work till six, seven, eight o'clock at night. We were now able to structure our own time. So, what my point is this, or the question is this, what would you say to yourself two to three years ago as you began to go through this? What would you say to yourself then that could impact where you are today?
1: I think I've got two bits of advice for the Michael of three years ago, uh, you know, leaving a 25 year career and becoming self-employed. I think the first one is your career is not your identity. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I was always, uh, uh, on the fast track and upwardly mobile and all that good stuff. And, and that was kind of me and, leaving that behind, it it took some adjustments. You know, I'm I'm not in charge of hundreds of people anymore. And, you know, I'm not in charge of uh, budgets in the hundreds of millions of dollars anymore. Uh, But what I found was what I'm doing now is more important than anything that I did in the 25 years prior to this, because I am helping people. Um, I'm helping people get better Mm -hmm. as leaders. I'm helping people uh, get better as husbands, wives, fathers, friends. So it's, it's much more satisfying. So your career doesn't identify or doesn't define you. And the second thing was around discipline. You know, I wasn't in charge of my time for the most part, uh, when I was in the, the corporate world. And now I'm 100% in charge of my time. And it goes back to the old adage, you know, I've had a bad day, I'm cutting out early, or I've had a good day, I'm cutting out early. And in the world of self employment, you can't do that. You've got to be disciplined to identify the things that need to happen, the things that need to move you closer to your goals mm-hmm. and do them. So um, discipline is actually one of the two words that I adopted at the beginning of this year uh, to make sure that I stay on track.
0: How about wow. you, hot
1: tub time machine, Tom Tobin?
0: Gosh, well, hearing yours, yours were better than mine. So I, I do want to bounce off of a couple of things that you said. So first of all, that your job doesn't define you. That that really that just struck me, like as you were saying that, because there was a point at which after I retired, where I kind of got into this mindset of. You know, I no longer had this activity every day for 20 years. All I thought about was this company that we had grown. You know, started off as two people, ended off with over 2,300 people. Became the product of multiple companies into one larger company, and then suddenly I would come home or I'd be at home, and I would have this thought. This is what I would think. I'd I'd engage in a conversation where I had not yet read or. Remember crucial confrontations or crucial, crucial conversations. And I would have this thought. I would say, You got to be kidding me. Like, I was a CEO. I built this company with my partners. I did all these things. And suddenly I'm an idiot. Like, I know nothing. Really? And if I had listened to your advice back then, I would have been better prepared. And I would have said, You know what? What I'm doing now is as important as what I was doing the week before. And it doesn't define me. I'm not I'm not defined by what I do every day. It's really about, you know, who defines me. For me, that's my relationship with God and then the way that he moves me in the lives of others and, and works in my life. So that really struck me. I mean, it really did, as you said that, I, it really, I really appreciate you saying that. The direct answer to your question, though, um, as far as what I would have said to myself, one of the things would have been, maintain some level of discipline in terms of your routine because i lost that like i w- i was sleeping till 8 or 8:30 <laughs> for the first several months i was going out and i was pushing dirt on my tractor and and i was doing these things what i which was really great for me mentally and um, kind of mentally and emotionally and spiritually i'd put on some worship music and i'd be out there just moving dirt because nobody nobody was telling me where to dig the hole you know how much dirt to move etc you are in charge um, of the dirt. Exactly. This is like just me and my Bobcat and that's it. But what I didn't recognize is how it, it took away some of that discipline that I had in my schedule and structure in my schedule. I could have still gotten up at six o'clock in bed better about my, my physical being and uh, focused on that, or maybe reading a book instead of um, being, you know, in bed for another hour So I think if the the one thing that I would have said if I just had a few minutes and I jumped back in my hot tub time machine, I'd say, Tom, maintain a level of discipline and order or structure to your day, even when you have this greater level of flexibility now that you have. So, wow. I like your first one, though. I really like that. That struck me. Um, So And I think the thing is, is that when you look at it in the context of our listeners and what we've talked about today... You know, we're about leadership and this is about how you help sometimes yourself or you help others be better leaders, because ultimately the leaders are going to be responsible for impacting people on a regular basis. And it's not just about gadgets. It's not just about what Michael and I are doing. I really would like to leave our listeners today with the thought of what were the nuggets from today that you aren't going to regret? Grasping onto and developing and shining and kind of, you know, taking those nuggets of gold and and making something shiny, you know, two years from now. I I really would like our listeners to consider that and then provide us feedback. What what are you going to do differently next week or next month because of the conversation that you heard today? That would really mean a lot to us. Um, Absolutely, that's, that's where I'm at.
1: Yeah. Send us uh, the the nugget or the thing that you're going to do differently based on the conversation that Tom and I just had. Um, you can send that to info at EdwardsGroupTX.com. And, you know, Tom and I can help you uh, with accountability. We are pretty good at that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you got, that's the thing is, is you have to build relationships and, and develop trust with your accountability partner. And that's what we have. And I really appreciate that. So... Well, folks, this has been episode 18. I'm Tom Tobin. This is my co-host, Michael Edwards. We've loved talking to you about where we are in our leadership journey. We want to hear more about where you are in yours and where you need help. And what might we be able to do in the future that can help you along that path? Until next time, episode 19 coming up. You guys have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening to Two Guys on Stuff. Tune in next week as Tom and Michael talk more about leadership stuff, life stuff, helpful stuff, and maybe even your stuff. Until then, keep your stories fun.